You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Laurie, and no need to check your dials. This is not the Writer's Block Podcast. I've actually moved to this slot now permanently and left that podcast in the great hands of David Hellman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Halling. But the reason why I moved over, I would not do this for any other reason other than the fact that I get to be back with my best friend and co-host for this podcast, the lovely Ms. Jess Navarez. Jess, welcome back to Blogging the Boys. Welcome back to podcasting with your best friend and myself. Uh, how does it feel to be back? Yeah. Yeah. Pumped. Oh my God. What an intro, Brandon. This is why we work so well together. Like what an intro. Oh my goodness. Now in all seriousness, I'm so happy to be back. I can't even explain to you. Uh, when I keep talking about coming back to blogging the boys, I keep referring to the wizard of Oz and how Dorothy clicks her heels three times and she's back home. That is seriously how I feel coming back to BTB. Um, and yes, it's because we had such a great run, uh, with the writer's block when we did it, that was a big, big part of really making me into the podcaster I am. And I couldn't have done that without you and our friendship and everything that we've done, you know, in, in the last season that we got to work together on that podcast. But then I was like, Hey, I'm a free agent. I can go back to blogging the boys and instantly, I mean, there was just no other option. There was no other choice. Um, and a little behind the curtain, if you will, since we're on this wizard of Oz theme, I texted Brandon immediately. And I was like, Brandon, I'm coming back. I'm not slim shady, but guess who's back, back again, Jess Navarez. <laughs> and we are, we have to figure something out. And it was a no brainer that we can do this again. And so I'm so excited. Um, I, I don't know if you got that, like, first day of school feeling I was falling asleep last night and I couldn't because I was so excited to record this today. Um, it, it felt like the first day of school, but still so familiar. And I'm really excited for what we get to create and uh, do again this season. So I hope everybody else is as well. Well, what's awesome. And this is something I didn't even think about until we just started is that we're going on year three of doing Cowboys coverage and everything. I mean, when you, wild. when you think about it, I mean, it's it's going into year three and everything that we started when we did the writer's block. Uh, I wonder how many more podcasts we can kind of like start, create, and then move on to other people and kind of pass the baton a little bit. Um, hopefully not too soon. Um, but <laughs> I was going to say, we're barely on our first episode. Exactly, yeah. Don't get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> exactly. But to give people the idea, the press coverage podcast, of course, is pretty much going to be exactly what Justin and I were doing with the writer's block. We're going to have guests on who cover the NFL at large, players past and present. I know that was a big part of our show when we were doing it at that time. So uh, really, it's going to be a lot of fun things in store for you guys this offseason to kind of keep the Cowboys momentum moving forward. 
And with that, I want to start with the conversation of storylines entering the NFL Combine. Of course, it's a big week, kind of in the NFL at large, but for the Cowboys specifically, I know Mike McCarthy and Mike Zimmer won't be there, but of course, Jerry Jones will be rolling in on his bus, have his sort of annual press conference, State of the Union address with all the reporters there. And we'll get some news and nuggets coming out from maybe some free agents, maybe something to do with the Cowboys and their kind of draft strategy moving forward. So we're going to talk about a few storylines here. Uh, Jess will have two, I'll have two, and we'll kind of talk about it. So Jess, I'll start with you first. What's sort of one burning question you have entering the Combine week? You know, this is a burning question I had prior to Combine week, but because we officially know that the Cowboys are now in their Mike Zimmer era I am so curious. My One of my biggest storylines is going to be how Mike Zimmer is going to evolve the defense and specifically what is his type, right? And, and I say that when we think of Dan Quinn and we think of everything Dan did in his three years in Dallas, he had a certain type of player that he welcomed with open arms to the Cowboys. And you know what? Some of those players even followed him back to the Cowboys from his previous stints with other teams as well. And so What's Dan Quinn's type? Well, it was somebody versatile that had position flex that was able to kind of shift around. It was a lanky player, uh, tall in height, and not really, uh, I guess, beefy in size, if you will, uh, for the most part, right? Pretty pretty thin, uh, pretty lanky in that manner. Now, my question is, is yes, you can go back historically and see what Mike Zimmer's type is as a head coach, uh, more than not, but what I want to know is what, Mike Zimmer's type is in the kind of players that he's going to try to get the Cowboys to acquire. Also, what are his top priorities as a defensive coordinator? We heard him talk in his press conference a little bit about how this process is going to go for him. And he was still a day and a half into his hire uh, when we heard from him at the start at that press conference. So there really wasn't much to, to discuss, but we do know that he wanted to talk to the players first. He talked about this specifically with Micah Parsons. He wanted to talk to the guys first to see what they wanted and then go forward in that process, not give the press too much uh, really before he has even talked to his players. So that's important. But I want to know a couple of things here with the Zimmer hire. How much involvement is he actually going to have in this process going forward. I'm talking combine, I'm talking draft, I'm talking free agency, all of the above. How much involvement? Because we know Dan Quinn had a pretty good hand and good involvement in this process. We know that. We saw it over and over again. Is Mike Zimmer going to get those same freedoms in his first year, or is that going to be something that we see kind of more so later on down the road for him? Or do they say, hey, you're familiar with us, we're familiar with you, we trust that you already have that already as the DC. So that's kind of one of my burning questions is kind of how much freedom Zimmer is going to get and how much involvement he's going to get. And I'm not necessarily talking in terms of Mike McCarthy's uh, reign and, and his umbrella, because we know Mike does a great job of not micromanaging and delegating uh, their coordinator, his coordinators in their respective roles to do their job. We know that about Mike. But I'm talking the umbrella on top. That's the Cowboys front office that we all know. Uh, and we know the control and reins that Jerry Jones has on this team. So I'm just curious, kind of after everything ended, how it ended again. Uh, Brandon, you were talking about this is three seasons we've been doing this. This is three seasons with the same disappointment um, and how the season ended. And three strikes, you're out. It feels like Jerry is extremely frustrated 
Um, so change has to happen inevitably. Right. And we'll get into my next point here in a little bit about that as well. But my point in all of this is how will Jerry kind of allow Zimmer to have power? Will he, because of everything that's happened historically, did he learn lessons with Dan Quinn? These are all my burning questions that keep me up at night, Brandon. I don't know about you. Uh, all that to say, my storyline is how much control does Zimmer get and what are his top priorities as the Cowboys DC? I think it's a great question because with Mike McCarthy taking the NFL combine off, he hasn't really done that in his Cowboys tenure. I know that, especially too, uh, for the beat reporters, they always usually have like a sort of one-on-one with Mike McCarthy off the record. Um, and that doesn't yeah. seem like he wants to do, you know, being in the media and everything because he wants to take more of a, of an approach of staying at home, focusing on getting with Mike Zimmer, talking about those discussions. And I think maybe part of that has to do with that the Cowboys got a little late to the game with finalizing their coordinator position right. because they weren't sure what Dan Quinn would do. Um, they had a few candidates that they, of course, had to interview, go through some processes. Um, so by the time Mike Zimmer got kind of into the door, it was already into the process of maybe evaluating the roster that was already happening for the past few weeks. And Mike McCarthy already had his exit interview. So trying to get with McCarthy, figure those things out. I think it's actually a great thing for him to maybe take that off. Let the scouts in front office really kind of handle the combine. Um, you know, they, they do a great job. The Cowboys are historically great at drafting. So it's kind of like. Mike McCarthy could be a little hands off. He's still going to be in the meetings through Zoom. He'll still be there, as as he kind of mentioned and alluded to, to a lot of the media people in Dallas that they were reporting last week. So he'll still be there virtually. And that's the beauty of technology and kind of the process going through COVID through all those things, too. Uh, but I do think for me, one of the bigger kind of free agents that I'm circling because of Mike Zimmer and historically what he's kind of worked with, he's worked with smart, intelligent veteran players. And to me, that just screams Stefan Gilmore. Um, I posted a video coming from the 33rd team about two or last year, actually, Mike Zimmer, he was talking about Stefan Gilmore going to the Cowboys and what that meant for their secondary. He talked about his glowing review of Stefan Gilmore as a rookie, somebody that he scouted, somebody that he really likes. He thought was a great fit for the Cowboys. So does he envision Stefan fitting into what his defense um, has in store for the 2024 season? I think, I think so. Um, We'll see what happens with, of course, the numbers. I know Christy Scales mentioned it on your podcast, Girls Talk, Boys Talk, how I think it might come down to more of the numbers, the financials, and where Stephon Gilmore might come contract-wise. But I think with Brandon Cook still being in the building um, for this upcoming year, I think with him being in Dallas, everybody loves Dallas when they move there. It seems like all the players have a glowing review about it. Also, you get that state income tax break. So that's always a big deal, too. Cha-ching. Exactly. So if it's going to be on a one-year deal, make it a little more team-friendly. I think Gilmore would kind of play ball with that because he knows how how much of, of a good team the Cowboys have, quite frankly. And he talked about it during the Super Bowl week. You know, him and Brandon Cooks were on 105.3, the fan. And you could tell he kind of, in my opinion, lost all the leverage. He's like, oh, I want to be back. I want to be back with the Cowboys. So at that point, the team knows you want to be back. I'm sure the team wants to have you back. It's sort of just a, a really good kind of win-win for everybody around. And you mentioned just the people that that Mike Zimmer wants to draft. We'll see because when you look at the Dan Quinn guys, Nashawn Wright is still on the team. Eric Scott Jr. is still on the team. Who knows what will happen with those guys in Mike Zimmer's image? Do they not really have a role anymore? Is he going to just try and work with what he has? I think to answer your question and kind of think about where Mike Zimmer is at, if it's sort of a kind of all-in, you know, winner-go-home type year, 
I think Jerry is going to say, listen, we have all these types of players. We trust you to kind of scheme things up the best way possible. This is what you have. I don't think there really will be much of a say with regards to the draft. I think there will be more of a say on free agency, maybe guys he wants to bring in that he's familiar with. Uh, but I don't know necessarily the draft because if this is sort of a one-and-done type year, if it doesn't go the way that they're hoping for, you don't want to bring in more guys for another coordinator that's not going to be here, and then you kind of turn the page over next year. So that's just my opinion with where it could go. And you could talk about maybe Gilmore and, and things that you're kind of thinking about with regards to him coming back too. Oh, absolutely. I think it would be anything – foolish to not bring Gilmore back. I mean, truly, it, it was it's kind of crazy how everything fell into place for them last season considering Trey got injured so early on in September yeah. uh, on a random Thursday practice and was out for the rest of the season because had you not had that trade with Gilmore, had you not done that, then what? What would have happened? Yeah. Um, he truly stepped up, stepped into place, a plug-and-play player, a veteran player that should be able to do that, and he did. Um, and I, I really think the only time you didn't see production out of him was against Green Bay because he was dealing with such a significant injury that at the time he wasn't trying to make it seem significant, but it required off-season surgery, which will take about six months Um more healing time so he'll be back in time it seems uh for training camp if they do decide to bring him back or any team decides to acquire him so that works in his favor um i just think the state of your dbs right now when you look at it pre-draft pre-free agency all of that you need to really look at the veteran presence in there and then you also have to look at the free agent list you have Jordan Lewis, who's also a free agent. Yeah. And look, although he had a rough start to his season because of his horrific foot injury, which exactly. I don't know if y'all went back to go read the article from the Dallas Morning News with Michael Gilkin. Horrific the way it was explained how his foot looked after that injury. I believe he described it as a banana peel, uh, his foot. He rehabbed to come back from that. So obviously, as we always talk about and we have on this podcast, it's going to take time for a guy to rehab that foot and come back and truly be back into football shape post-injury, having to relearn your body, reacclimate muscle memory. That's not an easy feat to do, especially for, uh, let's see, your foot. Yeah. You need that to play football. <laughs> um but without Jordan Lewis, there's another question mark, and y'all can debate on whether you think he deserves another roster spot or not, but it leaves another hole to fill. And so I think if you can make it happen, you mentioned what Christy talked about on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, you need the first domino to fall, which uh, has to do with Dak Prescott, which ties into your point uh, perfectly. So I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I, I think my biggest question, and this is sort of where I, I alluded it to, if the Cowboys have the door entering 2024 free agency and they need the golden key, the me, to me, the golden key to unlock that door is Dak Prescott's contract. Where do things stand with Dak? Because of the fact that his cap number is so large, and thank goodness for the NFL and their media deals, just blowing up the salary cap a lot more than anybody thought. I was reading something today that... Um Thank the Swifties. Yeah, for well, exactly, exactly. Credit where credit is due. Exactly. Thank, Thank you, Taylor Swifties. Swift. Thank you, Swifties. And truly, it, it was it was so crazy to see those numbers, and I, like everyone thinks it's a joke about Taylor Swift bringing in a whole new fan base to the NFL. It's not a joke. That yeah. happened. She did that. So 
any Brads and Chads, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> like I appreciate you listening, but thank your local Swifty that tuned into the NFL for the first time this season, participated in being a fan, whether it was just for Taylor Swift or the Chiefs or whatever. Look what it did for the cap space. Thank your local Swifties because that could come back and save uh, a lot of really big players that you need back on your Cowboys team. Yeah, and Albert Breer was talking about this on his uh, Monday morning quarterback column. He said, I think a lot of people were assuming maybe that $245 million range, but the fact that it got to around 250 253 I mean, they said that that really significantly helps. And I know... You know, for NFL teams, a few million dollars doesn't really seem like a whole lot. But when you're looking at maybe signing one or two free agents, signing your rookie class, all of those things go into play. Any dollar that they can kind of salvage and, and keep towards their books, that matters to these people. So the fact that they were able to get a number much larger than what they were thinking, that's awesome. So when you look at Dak Prescott, to me, um, right around right now, the Cowboys are over the cap around $3 million, so a lot less than what it was looking at. Um and when I see that the team, you know, where they sit with him, like, I, I just think that the Cowboys know that they're going to extend Dak. Dak knows that they're going to extend him. I, I just, I don't want to see a will they, won't they type scenario of what happened, you know, two years in a row where they franchise tag. I'm trying to figure out if they're going to get a deal done. I, I look at because of his cap hit, like I mentioned, which is a near $60 million, like to lower that to, you know, I don't know what it would be. They could always massage the numbers. But even if it was taking $20 million off of that, $35 million off of that, that is a huge chunk of change for the Cowboys to try and sign their own. I think when you look at the free agency pool as a whole, you know, if the Cowboys want to address a linebacker, they want to go after a top linebacker in free agency, like that money will help. If they're looking to re-sign somebody like a Tony Pollard, a Tyron Smith, like you can do that right now if you kind of get Dak's contract in play. To me, it's sort of the golden key because of the fact that if they get it done, it will, yes, historically be a top-rated con a contract for a quarterback, but it won't be for long. We saw last year Jalen Hurts was number one at one point, but then within a few months he went down to number four because of Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. So Dak being at this number, you also beat the quarterbacks that are going to be coming up for a new deal like a Trevor Lawrence potentially, a Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, Jordan Love, maybe even a Pat Mahomes if the Chiefs want to give him more money for winning another Super Bowl. What a luxury to have for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I, just, I wish we could relate. I really could. And, and I, you, I really wish. And you think about it, the, the year that Dak had, <laughs> if it ended you know, just after the regular season, no Super Bowl, no playoffs, there would be no qualms about giving Dak the money that he deserves. But because it's right. the playoffs that come involved, that is a part of it. But to me, you, you need the quarterback to play at a high level just to get to the playoffs. And then whatever happens, I mean, again, as we see from this past year, the Green Bay backers can come in as a seventh seed and just obliterate the Cowboys on any given week. It just stuff like that sometimes happens. And I don't think that that was necessarily on Dak's shoulders because I know you and I haven't talked about this at all because we weren't on the podcast together. I just look at it, that was more of a defensive flaw, a defensive breakdown, not necessarily so much on Dak. Of course, the pick six you could always talk about. But I'm just looking at if the Cowboys want to play ball in free agency, if you want to figure these things out beforehand, before it starts. The Combine is a great way for the Cowboys to kind of start talking to his agent. We know how difficult it was to get the deal done in the past. You know kind of what type of dance you're going to be playing with because you did the deal once before. Just you kind of get it over with, turn the page. You know that Dak wants to be here. Cowboys want Dak to be here. Just 
get the contract done, move forward, and then this way now that's sort of your first all-in move, in my opinion, for the Cowboys to kind of free up the money, and then you can kind of go play and spend money elsewhere, at least to start free agency. Well, and here's the thing. You know I love our listeners, Brandon. You know I love them, and I appreciate them so, so, so much. However, as your friend, um, <laughs> my to friend our or their okay, I, yeah, their friend, their yeah. friend. I, I'm talking to our listeners now. As your friend, you know it's my job to call out when things are a little ridiculous, and I understand the loss to Green Bay is frustrating. I understand the fandom, and uh, you know, losing three years in a row in the playoffs in just embarrassing ways and I feel like the Packers loss was probably one of the most embarrassing losses in modern times uh, for the Cowboys so I get it I get the frustration I get the anger I get it I really do guys I I sympathize and I empathize with you guys because above all I am still a fan and I still I still hold that fandom close to my heart I just see it in a different light but let's have the reminder here let's open up this conversation about everybody questioning Dak Prescott going forward because (laughs) I don't know if y'all know this. There's not another answer that could be an immediate fix to having a starting quarterback on this team. And I'm not saying that uh, as a diss to Dak. It's, it's the honest truth and anybody saying, Oh, Trey Lance. All right. Let's talk about Trey Lance as somebody that was, at practices all last season, could see what snaps were being taken by which guys. I can tell you Cooper Rush never stopped taking the second snap when Dak wasn't in. They never had intentions for Trey Lance to be that guy last season. He had to come in and really relearn everything he thought he knew before because it's just a very difficult thing, especially being so young, relearning and reacclimating to a new system, a new OC, a new offense, new language. And, you know, really, I think that's what last year was for. Uh, the purpose was for Trey Lance. However, I also don't know going forward that he's that guy that will come in and learn under Dak Prescott and be your next starting quarterback. I just don't see it happening where things stand right now. That could change. But I think there just needs to be a sense of being realistic when it comes to being so quick to say Dak needs to be out, don't give him a new contract. Guys, I know we're emotional. We're all in this together. But there is really no option right now. You have put so much time, effort, coaching, in building everything around Dak Prescott. Mike McCarthy's on his last year of his contract. It is all in for everybody because look if this happens again Mike McCarthy doesn't have a job and you even can think of far as far ahead of will he ever get another coaching job if this ends badly for him Dak Prescott he's getting older they could easily start training his next guy and use that as a bit of a threat to him everybody needs to be all in and look those guys in the locker room don't need to be told that what happened was embarrassing. Yep. They don't. They already know it. Uh, if you're embarrassed as a fan, imagine how embarrassed it would be as a player that allowed that to happen. They already know it. Uh, Dak Prescott, the first one to know it. And so I just think you're right. It is the golden key, but it's also the first domino that needs to fall to set up your team for success for everything else that could happen in free agency. 
at the draft, everything else, everything that happens after this extension, which is inevitably going to happen, it has to happen. May I remind you, there's no, there's a no trade clause in his contract as well. So for all of you guys saying, oh, just trade Dak, you can't. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You can't. It's not an option. We don't even need to discuss it. His contract extension needs to happen. Free up more cap space, giving you a more room, but free up even more so you can get guys like Stephon Gilmore back. And you know what? We're going to talk about going all in here in our next segment. We'll talk about how freeing up Dak's uh, contract extension and freeing up some of that space can really help the Cowboys succeed going forward. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Jess, you kind of alluded to it in the last segment. Uh, What's your second question that you have that you need answered and hope to find an answer by the end of this week? All right, well, my second question, and I'm scrolling in our notes. We have some lengthy notes here uh, for this podcast. I would just like everybody to know the prep work that goes into this. Um, All right, so let's take a little trip back in time. Uh, And I'm talking a couple weeks ago when Jerry Jones said, he wanted to take an all-in approach um, going forward for this year. And, and you know, you can go look up the exact quote. Nick Harris posted on it, uh, posted on his Twitter about it because, again, quoting him exact, right? We, we know Jerry can uh, have his own way of saying things, and it can be a little hard to decipher sometimes. But essentially, he talked about this all-in approach. <sighs> One of my questions... One of my burning questions just keeps me up at night uh, about this team is how is this offseason going to look any different from, we'll even just say last offseason or any offseason before that? Specifically the last three. We'll keep it just to that time frame because I'm pretty sure, and maybe he hasn't said an all-in approach to that exact quote and that exact team, you come back to this cycle after a loss in the playoffs, early exit loss that they shouldn't have had, you get back to this time of the year, it's the off season, you get to talk to Jerry, and he says something of this sort. It's just kind of a cycle at this point. This year, he just so happened to take say they're taking an all-in approach. What does that mean? Because let's even just compare it to last offseason. I was looking at kind of what big things happened last year before the start of the official season. All right. Let's take a little timeline and given I, I kind of took out a lot of stuff and, and by a lot, I mean like the, 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 the cuts, the resigns, all, all of that stuff that happens when the official roster can be made, blah, blah, blah. 
this is just some of the stuff that happened be- between, you know, the, the loss to August. So in March of 2023, Donovan Wilson gets signed to a three-year deal worth 20, $24 million. He just came off of a career high in 2022 with five sacks, two forced fumbles, one interception. So signing Dono to a longer-term contract did make sense at the time. Uh, you had the Stephon Gilmore trade with the Colts, which obviously we just talked about, yep. paid dividends for the Cowboys. Also, two days later, you had the Brandon Cooks trade with the Texans, which we love Brandon Cooks. We love Brandon Cooks. Um, thank you, Texans, for just fumbling that bag and uh, <laughs> handing it over to the Cowboys. Shout out to the Texans for that. All right. Well, then you go to July. And again, these are just some of the things that happened. You signed Brandon Aubrey, which I included that, even though didn't think you would have to. At the time, uh, it was just a July blip on the radar. 2023. Yeah. You were like, who's this guy? Who's the soccer player? What are you doing here? But I'm going to add it now because we saw what uh, Butter Aubrey is capable of. Skip to August 2023. Preseason just ended. You trade with the 49ers for Trey Lance. And then August 2023 again, you trade with the Dolphins for Noah Igbenogany that really didn't contribute because he didn't start any games. Hey, he had that one special teams touchdown, you know. (laughs) Oh, you're right. You know? Oh, you're right. Seven points. That was his only start. Yeah. No. Facts. He was the first touchdown of the regular season. But after that, not much. Um, (laughs) After that, radio silent. And I don't blame him for that. Yeah. I don't blame him for that. I think uh, talking to him in the locker room, he's very intelligent. He is a fantastic locker room guy. He's just quiet to himself, but very knowledgeable. And another free agent as well, too. Right. Another free agent. We'll see what happens. Wish him well, no matter what happens. But... My point is, after the second loss to the 49ers in another early exit playoff loss last year, if you're talking about Jerry Jones going all in then, which, again, I don't, I'll have to go dig back for some exact quotes that he had. I know he said something similar. It wasn't specific to going all in, but it was, we're going to do everything we can to win, want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. We hear it over and over again. That's all that happened. And given you had some stuff at training camp with Trayvon getting his extension and, you know, there was some other stuff that happened. But my point is, if that was them going all in, what does all in look like this year? Are you really going to see a lot of, you know, really big moves happen again? I think the biggest things that we all point back to are the trades for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Can that happen again? Is it going to happen again? But this year, is that enough? Will two trades, two really big trades say, it happens again, history repeats itself. Will that be enough? Is that considered going all in just for this time being during the time when you can get, you know, trades done, free agency starts, uh, you can sign contract extensions to players that need it, uh, i.e. Dak Prescott, Michael Parsons, CD Lamb. <clears throat> Anyways, I digress. My point is, what does all in mean for Jerry Jones this offseason? And how is it going to be any different from the time before? Because I don't know how different it's going to look, even from last offseason. I think we were all pretty surprised by those trades that happened. And then that was pretty much it. You really didn't get anything else done until you had to with your kicking situation because that wasn't going anywhere at training camp. And then after that, really nothing else happened. So, I don't know, Brandon. I think when it it comes to terms of being a being all in, taking this all in approach, 
What does that mean? What is this offseason going to look like when you make a list of all the things that happen between March and August? How long is that list actually going to be? And is that going to equal out enough to be all in? Because look, it could have three big names on there and that could be enough. Yeah. It's just quality, quantity, which way are they going to go? I don't know what all in actually means. This that, that's yet. a great question and kind of tying in with what yours is and what mine is afterwards. Uh, it's funny how everybody kind of in the media has the same mind frame of, of what this week means because the combine usually answers a lot of these questions. John Mashota of The Athletic, we love John, he's been on the podcast before. He came out with a, a similar article with storylines he hopes uh, are answered this week. And his number one was talking about what does all-in mean for Jerry Jones. And we talked about how he has a sort of annual State of the Union address on the bus. I'm sure he'll be asked about it, kind of what he sees as all-in as they kind of evaluate the roster, where they kind of look in free agency. And I think that's a great question because when you do look at last year um, – Without looking at the context of what Donovan Wilson's season was this year, I think it was a down year by all accounts, and everybody can agree with that. I'm sure Dono would agree with that too. But he was dealing with a calf injury in training camp. I think that got that that kind of hampered him a little bit. Um, and I know that the defense was kind of playing a little bit differently, um, kind of than what he was used to last year. He was coming off of a great year. Everybody thought he was the best defensive player on the team coming off of the 2022 season. So him being re-signed was great. Leighton Vander Esch being re-signed. That was another player that, you know, that was wasn't mentioned one. on this yeah. list too. But you look at the two trades with the with Gilmore and Cooks, those at the time, everybody was saying, oh, this is all in. This is great. They haven't made these moves before. So it's in their DNA, I think, to do it again. But the other problem is, okay, they don't have a lot of draft capital to play with either. You know, as it stands right now, they have uh, first round, second round, third round, and I think two sevenths because they traded their fourth round last year for Trey Lance. And and maybe you could look it up as I'm talking just to see. I don't know if, if one of the Gilmore or Cooks picks went to the Texans or Colts from this draft cycle or, or if it was something else. Um, but I do think that they you have... keep talking. I'll research. There we go. Don't worry. They, when they, I pop back on, I'll have info. They have limited resources to kind of make these trades. So that's why I do think that if the Cowboys are going to make an all-in approach, it's going to be through free agency. They are known to not really be free agent spenders, but that's why I think it's so important you get the Dak Prescott deal done because that's where you're going to have maybe the room to play with, not so much the draft capital. And I do think for the Cowboys, it's really important to hit your first, second, and third round picks this year, given what the 2023 class didn't really do in a lot of opinions. So I think that it's so important to hold on to those picks this year instead of trading them away. And I think that that's why when you sign Dak and you free up all that money, now you can sign those veteran free agents, like we mentioned, to plug the holes at linebacker, plug the holes along the defensive line, because Jonathan Hankins is a free agent. You also have Dante Fowler as a free agent. Maybe the Cowboys want to bring J. Ron Curse back. Who knows? Like they have a lot of key players, not to mention Tyron Smith, Tyler Biotish, that, you know, if they want to bring back to plug up the holes before they hit the draft. They've been shown to do that before, but there's also really a lot of good free agents that are currently out there, too, that they might want to re-sign. You have a Levante David, Devin White from Tampa Bay for linebacker, Aziz Alshire that I mentioned last year when we were talking about this in free agency as a name that the Cowboys should kind of look at for linebacker. He had a great year with Tennessee. He's a free agent again. So there's a lot of key players that are out there the Cowboys could look to kind of address and attack. And that's why I think this all-in approach will be more on free agency rather than the draft, just simply because they don't have as many resources to play with on that side. So good news and bad news. 
the bad news is that with this whole trade for Brandon Cooks, uh, one of them was a fifth round pick in 2023 yeah. and a sixth round pick in 2024. Gotcha. So look, if you're still paying for Brandon Cooks, so be it because he's a fantastic addition. Um, to this Cowboys team. And the sixth round so, pick doesn't really, in the grand scheme of things, you're right. hoping that they break a roster spot. So it's like I'd rather have Brandon Cooks on the roster rather than the sixth round pick. I'm looking at from more of the frame of if you want to trade for a veteran player who's maybe right. on the last year of its deal, kind of new regime coming in from another team. Like you look at the yep. commanders, Dan Quinn's going into Washington. There's a linebacker in Jamin Davis uh, who is, I think, on the final year of his deal. Maybe he doesn't fit in yep. with the Washington commanders. Maybe the commanders trade with the Cowboys just because of the familiarity there. I know it's a rival, so that usually doesn't happen, but we've seen it done before too. So that's uh, just somebody to keep in mind. Dan Quinn didn't care it was a rival. Exactly. Sorry, well, I'm, that's very, <laughs> I'm very bitter. I We haven't gotten to talk about this. I'm very bitter about the fact that he had viable options here. And look, for Dan, I'm very happy for him. Like, this made the most sense. It's close to home. He really gets to rebuild the commanders from the ground up. Fantastic opportunity for Dan. He deserves this, and he earned this. But why the commanders? Just why? I can't stand them. You know what really did it for me is I got flashbacks to Benchgate mm. uh, from years and years ago. And there I'm like, go. can you quit trying to be the Cowboys, please? Yeah. Stop it. I'm bitter. But... Um, no, I do agree with you. And I think going all in means you go all in in free agency, like you mentioned. Which is rare, because for them, which is very rare. It, it is, but if you want to continue to do things and have that flexibility to have plug and play players, especially if you're going to lose a lot of those key free agents in free agency, you need it. You need it. And Brandon Cook, Stephon Gilmore were two guys you needed this season. Yeah. They played vital roles on their respective side of the ball. So if you can continue to do that, look, go all in in that way. I will be happy. As far as draft picks, I think everybody's a little jaded towards the draft picks from last year um, just because none really became starters. And I, I feel like... Maybe this is a hot take, but it's kind of a blessing that they didn't because then they would have to reacclimate to this brand new Mike Zimmer scheme after having this first season and of the Dan Quinn language and playbook. They already have to do that, but they yeah. don't have the pressure as a starter. Now they can kind of just relearn again and keep going that way. But uh, truly, the more and more I'm in this business, yes, I give these players a lot of grace and maybe more than I should sometimes. Um, but it really is a hard transition, especially for the positions that they were drafted in to learn how to play in the NFL from college. Yeah. Um, I'm really talking about Mozzie Smith here too, because Mozzie has gotten so much flack on social media from the fan base and talking to Jonathan Hankins in the locker room was just such a blessing for me this season to really learn how difficult it is for a nose tackle to learn how to be a solid nose tackle in this league. And he even talked about in his career, he said, you know, it took me about three years to where I felt comfortable. I felt good in my skills to be able to do what I'm doing now. And then after that, it was, it was better. He said, but he gave Mozzie a lot of grace being his mentor, being in the same room with him. And I'm just very interested to see what these year two jumps look like for all of those guys. 
Mozzie Smith, Austin Richards, Eric Scott Jr., uh, Luke Schoonmaker, all of these guys. What does it look like for them going forward? We're going to find out, but really, as far as the draft goes, yes, the Cowboys are notoriously great at drafting guys. Just give them a little more grace. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I'm it, off my soapbox of grace now. No, no, no. I, I, I like it because I do. I completely agree with you where the defensive tackle position is tough. And what I've been hearing a lot more this offseason, which I didn't know in the past, it seems like Michigan's scheme, specifically on defense, uh, they're teaching a different style of how to play the defensive line that doesn't really translate to the NFL. So it's almost like you're teaching right. Mozzie how to ride a bike all over again in a different way. It's like he was going from riding a unicycle to riding a bike or a bike to a unicycle. It's completely different. So I think things have yeah. to change and you kind of just have to give a little bit of leniency. Uh, and Mike Zimmer is a great coach to kind of come in here. And then you also have Jeff uh, Scania coming in from Washington as the new D-line coach. It seems like a lot of guys loved him over in Washington. And, oh, not to mention, they turned their defensive tackles into all pros. Uh, so that's not bad company to be a part of, too. Uh, we're talking about free agency. To kind of wrap up with my final storyline is, what will the Cowboys do at running back? And we were asking this question last year because Tony Pollard, of course, was franchise tagged. It seemed like he was coming back by all accounts, but he was also coming off of the injury. So what type of player were the Cowboys getting back? There was a, a sort of a question mark around the position. Oh, and not to mention the Cowboys decided to release Ezekiel Elliott, the franchise cornerstone running back, and kind of just ride with Tony Pollard, the unknown, and then re-sign Rico Dattle. And then January 26th, Michael Gelkin comes out with an article saying that there's going to be a financial reset of the position, that they're going to go younger with more inexperience. Now that just means that by all accounts, it seems like they are going to be turning the page on that position. That could also mean that maybe they're not going to give Tony Pollard a $10 million contract. Of course, we know that it seems like they're not going to use the franchise tag. They can, of course, extend him and kind of give him more of a multi-year deal for less money uh, annually, and that's certainly possible. Rico Dowdle could always come back, seeming like the Cowboys love him, and especially Mike McCarthy, they love Rico. I like Dowdle a lot, given what he showed last year. But when you look at the Cowboys' current running backs on the roster and where they stand at, career rushing yards, and this is career. This isn't just last year. This is total career yards. Their number one leading rusher is Malik Davis, who sat out almost the entirety of last year with 161 yards. The next person is Snoop Connor, who they just got on a reserve futures deal uh, with 42 yards. And you, of course, have Deuce Vaughn from last year with 40 and then Hunter, Hunter Lipke at 19 yards. So my point is where it stands at the Cowboys running back room, not a whole lot going on. And what does that mean for the Cowboys and where they want to go? Randy Mueller of The Athletic came out with his sort of top 10 free agents at the certain position. And when you look at running back, I kind of alluded to it at the top of the show, like the running backs have a lot of good free agents available. And we know that, you know, right now the running back position isn't really valued. Uh, they had that sort of Zoom meeting or group text message where they tried to fight for more money last year. But the guys who were fighting for more money, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, they didn't really have productive seasons. So it didn't really help their cause too much. And it's a shame because I think every player should be valued and, and, and given what they deserve. But when you just look at the nature of the business, the Cowboys could get some really good running backs on some pretty good deals. And you look at just number one is Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Gus Edwards, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler's on this list. Ezekiel Elliott is back on this list. Tony Pollard is also on this list. And then you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I thought the Cowboys could also trade for, given his kind of standing with the Chiefs and sort of lack of usage. You sort of have a fresh running back who is a little bit younger, can kind of see what you can do with, with him. Also, the Super Bowl winning pedigree doesn't hurt either. So I'm just looking at where they stand. I, I feel like in my bones, one of their top 
maybe two, three picks, maybe second round, third round, not necessarily first, will be spent on a running back. But who do they bring in to kind of complement that rookie? I, I think Deuce Vaughn was a great story last year. I think he has a lot to prove in this training camp. I think I am not by any means out on Deuce Vaughn. I think that he just wasn't utilized as much. And that rookie curve is a real thing. Sometimes you hit that rookie wall and you kind of have to kind of reset and reevaluate and kind of be reused a little bit in a different way. And we saw that Mike McCarthy kind of reused Kevontae Turpin in a different way that Kellen Moore didn't from the year before. So it is certainly possible for that to happen. But who do they bring in as a veteran? I think they're going to get a rookie. But in your eyes, Jess, do you see them getting a veteran, whether that is an Elliott or Pollard or a Dowdle? Or do you think they're going to go out elsewhere and kind of bring somebody else in who wasn't in the building before? You know, I really it's I'm so back and forth on this because I don't just see them having a completely new slate here. Mm. Um, I, I just don't. And so I think if you see somebody return, it's one or the other. I don't think you see a, a world or a multiverse with both Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle back. I, I think it's going to be one or the other. Um, so if you see that, then sure, you get uh, a running back in the draft that's younger, can work under whichever one they decide to, to keep. Um, and unfortunately for Tony Pollard, I, I honestly think Rico Dowdle has the upper hand in getting that deal done with the Cowboys. And I say that because yes, he was dealing with a little bit of a nagging ankle injury throughout the season. Wouldn't have known, wouldn't have known. It's just, he never got the opportunity to get the ball because uh, Tony would get those first looks and, you know, they wanted Tony to be that guy. It's just, you know, I, I think that leg injury kind of impacted him more than he wanted to admit. Eventually he admitted it later on, but then you st- it's very difficult when you started to see flashes of Tony Pollard again, especially during the playoff game yeah. of the Packers. And at that point, though, it was a little too late because you wanted to see that all season. And given you knew he was coming back from that broken leg injury uh, from the previous playoff game against the 49ers. But I just don't think enough happened for him to fortify a spot again. I think for, to- for Rico Dowdle, though, he was fresh. He showed this angry running style that you're right. Mike McCarthy loves watching Rico Dowdle um, early last season in the off season training. And um, especially during mini camp, he was somebody that just was so easy to keep your eyes on because he looks so fresh, looks so good. And there was just something special early on about how he was able to move the ball. And so I think Rico has enough leverage that honestly, if it came down to the two, I don't see Tony Pollard having the upper hand in that, uh, which is unfortunate because, yeah, you lose the guy that you thought was it, and you've had to do that twice now. You had to uh, see Ezekiel Elliott leave, which, again, was difficult enough, uh, not just for the fan base, but Zeke was a locker room guy. Yeah. You know, that was that was a locker room leader. That was a tough loss, and uh, everybody talked about that in the locker room. But for Tony Pollard... I just don't see it happening again. And so I think if they decide to attack something in free agency, that kind of tells you what their plan is uh, going forward. I think if you have the options out there, you absolutely explore it, see if it's possible, see what kind of leverage you can gain on a, a trade or some kind of big signing in free agency. But again, Brandon, this goes back to your point earlier. Yep. You need to fix the Dak Prescott contract extension you need to lower that cap space before you can do any of that 
really everything is on pause and on hold until that happens because you can't even start to talk about money as leverage at that point until you have the money to be spending to do these things. Um, well, and that's why so, I, you know, I, I was going to say, I really think then if the combine, we start seeing a lot of meetings with running backs, you, know, you see the Cowboys meeting with a ton of the running back prospects, and then we'll see what happens with the 30 visit. They might go the option where maybe they just bring in a rookie running back. And then you see somebody who's maybe like you mentioned, a Rico Dowdle or somebody who's maybe the tier two, tier three free agent um, that like years ago, the Cowboys brought in Alfred Morris, you know, be sort of like a backup. Oh, and, back. Yeah. And, and it's just, you get that type of player who's maybe a little tread is off the tires you know not a lot left um and it's just somebody who's a veteran player they tried that last year with ronald jones of course it didn't work out just because of the suspension that kind of never really found a step there but i would be surprised if that's not the direction that they go and then they draft somebody so those are the kind of whispers that you, yeah. you hope to hear this week i mean i'm also i here's the thing those are the whispers that i think you should hear this week yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i don't think and, and here's the thing you could hear those things happening and they might not draft a, a running back higher in the draft you know as i'm sure everybody's draft board has because they might just have a plan going and and i have to remind myself of this is we don't always know what's going on yep. and the greatest example i have of this is brandon aubrey and how long they were scouting him until they actually signed him. Yeah. I mean, John Fossil literally went to one of his games with the Birmingham Stallions uh, undercover to go scout him months and months before we even heard that name on this side. So, again, there's people in place that are doing their jobs here. Um, so just try not to get too frustrated, everybody. Like, it's all good. It's all good. This is supposed to be fun. <laughs> and I get uh, emotions run high, but... My question to you, Brandon, before we put a little bow on this episode is how do you think they can utilize what they have in the room already? Do you see Hunter Lipke being more involved as a fullback uh, that could actually get some touches more than he did last season? Yeah, I think, the again, just like I talked about with Deuce Vaughn, I think the rookie wall is something that is a real thing. Transitioning to the NFL level is always going to be tough for a young player, especially when it's not the highly touted prospect. I mean, we saw, we saw Bajan Robinson down in Atlanta. Everybody said he was the number one running back, and then the coaches don't use him properly, and then he becomes somebody that everybody now has questions about saying, well, does he even you know work at the next level? Like how? And I just think again, coaching can play a lot into this. And when you look at the Cowboys, really putting a lot of weight on Tony Pollard, a guy like a Hunter Lipke, a guy like a Deuce Vaughn, doesn't really get the spotlight just because there's not the touches to go around. We saw at the end of the year the Cowboys used Hunter Lipke a lot more in the passing game, in the short yardage run game, because out of necessity, quite frankly. Um, and I think when he fumbled the ball in Miami, I think, you know, the coaches were like, okay, we're not really going to trust you too much in that position anymore. So I think that's somebody where maybe they get into the weight room, the NFL offseason training program, like we see with a lot of these guys where they bulk up and from year one to year two, they look like completely different players. I mean, that happened with Dak, that happened with Zeke, that happens with a lot of players um, who are sort of your stars. So maybe if Hunter Lipke kind of gets into the fullback weight room program, kind of starts looking like more of a hybrid offensive lineman fullback, I think you could see him be used a lot more. And the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy love using the fullback. I think if he can kind of integrate that into the offense, we might see better production out of the running game if he can kind of figure out how to be a fullback at the next level. I think that will kind of play a lot bigger into a role. But again, the Cowboys also had Malik Davis two years ago, somebody that they brought in. So maybe they view him as 
as somebody as a running back who could be that potential Rico Dowdle of this year when given the next opportunity because he's fresh, he's healthy. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at maybe him being in the doghouse from last year or two years ago, rather, that's sort of kind of gone a little bit by the wayside. Now you kind of have a fresh reset button and then maybe you give him the keys a little bit more as the backup role to a free agent or a rookie. So I think there's some guys who could play a, a big role. Uh, that are currently on the team. It's just kind of remains to be seen given again, the dominoes that have to fall on free agency in the draft and where the Cowboys go. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. Not really much to <laughs> no, say about that after that. Right. <laughs> the thing is, is uh, we won't know until we know. And yeah. uh, July certainly is going to be fun with the training camp competitions already. And nothing's happened yet, but that's a position that no matter what happens, it is going to be interesting and competitive yeah. no matter what they do. And, uh, man, I hate that it's so early on in the offseason. I just really want it to be July. I know. <laughs> well, because then questions, like literally sitting here waiting. questions <laughs> will be answered. That's why we have to ask these questions beforehand and get you guys ready right. for the offseason. Um, again, a lot of stuff usually comes out during the scouting combine. If they yeah. don't, just you know, put these questions in the back of your mind. Just kind of put them yeah. aside. Say, listen, we, we asked these questions before. <laughs> they, I promise you, one way or another, all these questions will have answers by the time the yeah. Cowboys go to Oxnard, California for training camp. Whether we like them or not yeah. is to be unseen yet, but I hope these questions keep you guys up at night like it has us. <laughs> uh, they become the earworm that, that we've been suffering and we're just <laughs> passing it along to you. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> and, and be sure to follow everything happening on the bloggingtheboys.com page. Of course, we have scouting reports going up about all the top prospects in the draft. And of course, keep tabs on everything on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Now that we kind of have new shows rolling out, kind of new lineups, be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast as well, too. So for Jess Navarez, I am Brandon Laurie. We'll talk to you guys next week on Press Coverage. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.